Welcome to the Intern Whisperer Live, the show all about internships and how to survive them. This is Jerron. This is Isabella. This is Andy. And this is Bjork. And coming up here in today's episode, we are going to be uh, covering the six criteria for working with interns in the Department of Labor. We have Sophie Lloyd. She's in our student spotlight. We have Bjorg Larnson, and she's in our employer spotlight. And then we're going to be talking about how employers bring value in their training programs that improve team dynamics. All right. So I want to be able to share our Facebook, our social plugs. So you can find us on our Facebook page. It's facebook.com slash pivotbizconsult. You can find us on Twitter. That's twitter.com slash pivotbizconsult. LinkedIn, you get the idea. It's LinkedIn, right? Okay, so you're just going to have to search for Pivot Business Consulting. It'll pop up. You'll have to trust me on that one. And then on the mixlr.com forward slash Valencia College Radio, you can listen to us live, and then you can also watch us live on facebook.com Pivot Biz Consult. So hopefully we have people watching us right now. All right, federal guidelines on internships could affect the number of internships companies offer based on the Fair Labor Standards Act, which is created to ensure that all workers be paid at least a fair minimum wage. The federal government is cracking down on unpaid internships to discourage employers from the practice of having interns work for free. So here's an interesting fact, though. Part of we, we know that there's a lot of people that use interns that are not paid, right? And statistically, they cannot even actually document how many are in unpaid internships. So because it can't be actually documented, there's not a whole lot of compliance in it. They've created, the Department of Labor created six criteria. We're only going to cover two of those criteria today, and we're going to do two more in the next week and then two the following week. Because there's a lot of uh, good meat there for employers to be aware of. And the Department of Labor, Labor has those six criteria. So the first one the internship has to. It even has to include the actual operation of the employer's business. So you can't have an intern working out of your home. A lot of people that have home-based businesses, they think, oh, you know, that student can come in. No, 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 no. That's a big no. And you want to make sure that, whoa, I just heard something like beep in my ear here that there should be adequate training giving in an educational environment. So the intern really needs to have a highly experiential opportunity, and they need it to be in a professional environment. And sometimes people aren't aware of that. So one time I was talking with um, a gentleman that does real estate, and he had said, hey, I'd like to have a video uh, intern, a student come and do video. And I said, who's going to mentor that student? And are they going to be working out of the uh, home? He said, no, 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 I have an office. We can go and meet there, and I'll mentor them. I asked him, are you actually somebody that is very knowledgeable in <laughs> video production? And he said, no, not really. And I said, well, then that's not going to be a really good thing for the student. It has to be highly experiential, and they have to have somebody that is mentoring them in that area of what they're going to school for. So a lot of people don't know that. Yeah, I didn't. So what, what I'm understanding you're saying is in order for an internship to be successful, you have to have somebody in a position uh, who's done the job, who knows what they're doing, and they're going to show somebody the ropes. And unfortunately, I think what I'm also hearing is a lot of people think that internship equals free labor. 
Oh, yeah. And that guy is so horrible. just wanted someone to shoot a video for him and goes, mm-hmm. you know what? We can go on an internship and you can get experience doing this. Mm-hmm. And apparently that's not the way it works. No. And a lot of employers that think that they go, well, they're getting real life experience. I'm going, yeah, but you're asking them to come and do something and there's no mentor in place. There's no plan in place. You don't have a real process in place to be able to make sure that you're nurturing and you're investing in somebody and they're investing in what you're giving them. So that's where I think that it gets a really bad rap. I think that having an unpaid internship is totally okay if there are six criteria that actually protects the student in this case, and that's what these are here for, to help protect that student. And by protecting the student, you're actually protecting the business too. So the second one I wanted to talk about is the intern experience, the internship experience has to be for the benefit of the intern, not the employer. And a lot of time, times employers will sit here and go, oh, my God, no, I don't want to be spending all of this time. Well, who invested in you the first time you got your job? Because more than likely internships can be, here, go get us this coffee, go do this, go run errands, or put them on a snipe chase, you know, it's like, Oh, there's nothing there for them to do. You don't want to have them doing work that is meaningless. You want them to be able to have a real value. So you can delegate many things that are entry-level responsibilities to them and let them get that experience. And I'm going to use the case in point. We have Jerome here. Jerome, he is an associate producer intern, and he has you, Andy, as the person with 20-plus years of experience in how to do this, and so you can talk to him and give him guidance in those technical areas that certainly I lack. I'm not able to do that. Yeah, I mean, that's what we're here for. That's part of what uh, what the gig is. Uh, so, yeah, that's exactly the same thing. And I was re- kind of reflecting back to my days of having an intern, and there were a lot of things where it, there was – when I was in the IT uh, field, when I had my intern, there was a lot of jobs that we got att- assigned to us that weren't IT-related, but it was just easy. We were the department that, could, that had the most flexibility, so we were the department that did it. One of those was like setting up physical desks, like the desk in front of us. If you had to change the height of this desk, that was something IT got to do. But I'm thinking where I was, I was no longer going to be crawling underneath a desk. And so I would just let my intern crawl under the desk. Now, I would help them by standing up in front of the desk and holding the thing so it wouldn't fall on them. But I would just go, you know what? I've been under the desk. Your turn to go under the desk. (laughs) (laughs) This is what the wires look like. You should see them. Yeah, and there's real value in that because we have learned that we have to make mistakes. We have to be able to actually experience the the ability to try to make the mistake, and we have to be able to let that person fail. So um, failing in a structured environment, which is what a real experiential internship should be, two thumbs up. Being able to say, okay, now you didn't do this, and we don't want this to happen again. We've got to make sure that we're doing this. I purposely like to let them have a failure so that they go, okay, yeah, I've got it. So let me ask you a question there. When you let them have a failure, do you let them dwell in that failure for a little bit? Or do you rescue them right away? No. You you know, you can make the mistake because personally I've made plenty of mistakes on my side too. And we always do. Every day we do. And I sit here and I tell them, you know that word intern? It gives you so much mercy and grace. You cannot <laughs> I'm just an intern. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 
because the expectation is that you're going to mess up and that you're here to learn. And so it is really, really important to be able to know that this is a safe environment where you can make mistakes and you're not going to get your hand slapped for it, but you know that, okay, yeah, I screwed that one up. I don't want to do it again. See, I'm a little bit opposite. Okay. I let them dwell in, in the feeling that they'd made a mistake and it was detrimental. If you have a very good disaster recovery plan in place in IT, mm -hmm. that's okay to do. Mm -hmm. If it was a mistake that is costly and you don't have a disaster recovery plan, now things are moving very, very fast to get it recovered. I have a really good story to share with you. So on demo night, when I was doing my intern pursuit software, I was getting up there on the stage. It was in two hours before we were going to go on the stage. Something had happened. One of the people that works with me on the development team, the site went down. It was down. And I had got a precursor to something was going to happen. And I had called everybody. I said, hey, I got an email, and it says that, we don't have the domains not connected any longer. I said, do you guys know what this is about? They all went, no, it's nothing. It's, everything's fine. And so then I went and I double-checked and went, the site's down. Oh, my mm. God. I'm going up on the stage at Dr. Phillips, and I'm going, I have no software if somebody's out <laughs> in the audience checking. And so we were on the phone for an hour before, and that's when the tensions were there. And I had to sit here and say to him, Okay, we don't have time to <laughs> sit here and dwell on this is a disaster. Sure. We actually have to be able to solve the problem. So I said, this is not the end of the world. Just stay right there with me. Know that this is not the end of the world. And I'm in my head, I'm going, what am I going to say for damage control, right? Because it's still me. It's up, me that's up on the stage. It's me that people are looking at. And um, so and it took an hour, but we, we got the site back up. And, awesome. Yeah. So, so you got back up, so up on stage and everything was fine, everything was great? Actually, it was 10 minutes before I was going oh, on the stage. Wow. So there's seven of us all going up there, and I was the fourth one to go up on the stage, and it was 10 minutes before I was going up on the stage that it finally was all Were you trying to, like, flop your position and go, like, why don't you go fourth? I'll go, like, fifth or sixth. I didn't know. It wasn't allowed. It was <laughs> oh, like, man. It's all structured. It was a lot of prayer. I'm going to tell you uh, that. Yeah. <laughs> it was praying, going, Please let this happen. Please let it go through. So, no doubt. Well, yeah. awesome. So anyway, um, I also wanted to be able to focus part of our show on remote opportunities and being able to work with talent remotely, building teams, working with people remotely. So that's pretty much the focus of what I want to be able to discuss tonight. Which is awesome because we've got Sophie joining us uh, all the way from, the, from England. Mm -hmm. uh, she is one of your interns in Pivot Business Consulting and the intern pursuit uh, game that you've got. Mm -hmm. uh, she oh. attends the Guildhall School of Music and Drama in England. So she is working across the pond. She created the uh, music intro that you guys all heard earlier. So, Sophie, how are you doing? Uh, it's like midnight over there for you, isn't it? Yeah, it's uh, it's currently 11.13 of it. But, uh, yeah, I'm doing great. And it's great to, yeah, it's finding great to hear you all. Awesome job on that intro music. I really dig it. I really, I really appreciate that. Thank you. Thanks so much. So we've got some questions here for you. We're going to put you on a little bit of the hot seat, but not a big one here. We're going to ask you some questions that we ask all of our guests, ask you for three lead leaders, either living or dead, on a global level, local level, and then a personal level, that is extraordinary in your life. So global, local, and personal, three leaders. Who's your global leader? Um, I would say that kind of on a global level, um, I would regard Mozart as a leader. 
Um, only purely because I've always been taking kind of inspiration from his music over the years in terms of classical work. Um, his work has kind of allowed me to push myself when kind of composing longer pieces like symphonies and stuff like that. Um, so I always find it kind of so helpful. Um, recently, I've written my first piano concerto, which is kind of really exciting, actually. So, um, yeah. Sophie, yeah, how old are you? Tell everybody right now how old you are, because it's like amazing. You're already in university over there. Um, I'm 16 years old. Yeah, 16 years old in university, and she's been composing. She's composed for our game. She's been uh, that we use the same music that every all of our listeners are hearing, and people that are watching us on live Facebook. Should they've been able to hear this music? And if they go to internpursuit.com forward slash IP game, they'll be able to find it. But definitely go to the homepage, and then you can play, download the game, play the game. You'll hear more of Sophie's music there. That's really amazing. But 16 years old, and look at all of this incredible stuff that she's doing. And tell me again, what was that global leader? What was his name again? Uh, Mozart. Okay. Mozart. Yeah, so that's a great one. And what about uh, local? Um, so I'd say kind of, I think on a local level, um, I'd regard my first flute teacher probably um, as a leader because without her, I wouldn't have got where I am today um, in terms of performance on the flute. Um, she's really pushed me from the start in terms of confidence and she's just been so helpful. It's great. I always kind of look up to her. Hmm. There's your so, teacher poll or yeah, plug right there for you. Yep, always glad to hear somebody giving uh, props to teachers. So I hope, Sophie, that you go back and you tell her, hey, you gave her just yeah. uh, a big shout out. And this is an internet, it's an internet station, so everybody around the world can hear us. All right, so let's look at uh, your personal level. Who is your extraordinary leader on a personal level? Um, probably James Warner, actually. Um, the composer James Horner. I always see him as like a great leader. He's um, he wrote the music for films like Titanic and Legend of the Fall and Avatar and all of that. Um, all of which I think have amazing pieces of music, and each one always has like a memorable theme, which I think is really important when composing. Um, yeah. Awesome. Now, next question I've got for you here is uh, innovation. What does it mean to you, and what is something cool that you have seen that is relatively innovative towards you? Um, I'd say, like, from a musical perspective, I'd say telling a story without words or pictures, that's, like, the definition of innovation for me. Mm. Um, that may need some kind of elaboration, so to explain. You may have 88 keys on your keyboard, but only 11 really count. Um, the rest of them are the same keys, just in different octaves. I mean, when I start composing, I remember complaining that all the best tunes are already taken. Um, but, I mean, how could anyone could have possibly take a new one? The answer lies in telling a story, most likely. Um, a few keys or a chord at random may sound pleasing to the ear, but put those behind a story, whether it's kind of nutcracker or the safecracker, and the sound develops real meaning. Like, themes for characters develop motifs for actions and sequences take shape. But, I mean, emotions can be kind of stirred and memories can be woken. I mean, intern pursuit features interns. That may not mean a whole lot to parents, but play them a few bars of a 50s sci-fi riff and they are taken straight back to the nights in front of a box TV with madly mixed colours and watching Space 1999 or Moon Base or something like that. I mean... Play anyone a deep bass chord and when the story needs the suspense to build and the hairs on the back of their neck will stand up. Similarly, like similarly, 
hit them with discordant violins during a violin kind of scene and watch their knuckles whiten. It's just fabulous. I mean, innovation for me is all about matching the music to the story and creating a sound kind of, you know, that is unique to the moment. That was like poetry listening to it. <laughs> Honestly, I'm sitting here going, oh, my gosh. She just created such a beautiful story and just sharing that. And I was going, wow, I can see exactly what she's talking about. And what is something for you, Sophie, that has been innovative? Um, purely actually working with term suit. I'd say kind of even the fact about that is kind of more or less having the opportunity to really put your ideas out there and working with people. It's just an amazing opportunity. And I don't think there'll, any, like, there'll be an opportunity that will be just like that. I mean, kind of, yeah, creating the sounds for that is just an amazing thing in itself. Oh, I kind of think you're underestimating what your future is. You're meant for really great and big things, quite honestly. So this was your first one, and I am so thankful and appreciative of the fact that you gave us that shout-out. Um, and you put us in this category of innovation. That is amazing. But I'm pretty darn sure you're going to be doing more spectacular things than just even this. All right, now, Sophie, uh, ignoring the fact that you're uh, – your boss is on the other end and can hear the answers you're giving. <laughs> what has it been like working as an intern with Pivot on the Intern Pursuit game? It's been the most amazing thing. I mean, I couldn't have actually been more thankful for this opportunity. It's mm. kind of, I mean, I started by kind of, I don't know, playing around with this um, program, Logic Pro X and all of that. And I didn't really know what I was doing with this. Um, I was like, where am I going to go with this composing? And then all of a sudden, this amazing opportunity came up. And I was like, wow, this I have to take. This is certainly like a direction that I want to go in. And at first, I was actually kind of wanting to compose for film school, just like James Warner. Um, but when I found out that this was kind of video game kind of category, I was like, this could be like a really good potential opportunity for me. And so I was like, if I take this, it could like, yeah, it really changed everything. And it has. And it's just been the most amazing experience. That's awesome. Thank you so much. And I am going to tell you, though, I want to know what is the challenge. Because for me, I think the challenge is that we work and there's a five-hour time difference between us. So many times I'm not able to be available. And I know you're, you have it on your calendar and you're calling to have our weekly check-in call. And I haven't had it on my calendar. So I know that's one of the challenges. And being able to make sure that we're communicating is a big deal, I think. Yeah. I think kind of like the nice thing about working remotely is that you can work at your own pace, at your own time. Um, but, I mean, as long as you get the work done, it shouldn't really matter kind of where you work. As long as you're kind of working together as a team or maybe even by yourself, that should be a team in itself. Um, I'd say, like, the main challenge for me is the time difference, actually. I mean, I live in England, which is five hours ahead of Florida, so I haven't actually been able to attend kind of the weekly team conference calls. I mean, instead I've had, like, weekly calls with you and Aaron and all of that. Um, I mean, it's been great, as I've always seen kind of, you and Aaron is becoming a virtual kind of mentor for me, which has been absolutely fabulous. Oh, yeah. The rest of the team has been really great. Um, I, that's one of the, the disadvantages, I think, is that you haven't been able to be on the calls. They're always late at night. They're 9 o'clock at night. And they go 9 to 11 or 9 to 10. And, again, that's like you're snoozing then, which is where you should be. 
but um, I really wanted you to be able to have as much of a team dynamic as possible. So I know you've been able to work with Tyler. You've been able to work with, obviously, Aaron, who project leads, and then just being able to have some more contact with other people. I am going to give a special shout-out to your aunt, uh, Rachel, and then also your uncle, Michael, who works at EA Games, too, because that's how we got connected is through them. And that was even, you know, that was another plus. So really, really grateful for them for introducing us, but also for the ability to work with you. You're so talented. So let me ask you one more question here, and that is what tips or suggestions do you have to offer other students who might be seeking internships? I'd say go with what suits you best. Don't kind of let anyone tell you <clears throat> any different on what path you want to take in life. I mean, there's obviously in life you're going to come across so many kind of hiccups or obstacles. It's going to kind of, you're going to think that it's going to stop you. But if you just kind of keep on going that extra mile, I will kind of issue, like assure you, it will make you strive. I mean, plenty of times on composing, I kind of know I have no ideas. It's all going wrong. Just sitting there for hours and hours trying to think of ideas to come up with like some main simple theme and like so many times it hasn't worked but then when you just keep going maybe if it's just the next day it will come to you and gradually it will become kind of really really kind of better than you thought it would become and I think the greatest gift that you could probably have is knowing that you can have the confidence to keep going and it is definitely worth it that's good advice it really is yeah. Well, so we want to thank you for your time. We know it's very late over there, uh, so we are going to let you jump off here. But we want to thank you for your time, and we will uh, we'll see you out uh, with a little more of your theme here. So thank you so much for joining us on the show, and thank best you. of luck. Thank you. And now for our employer spotlight, Bjork Larson. Bjork Larson is a partner with Slater Consultant at slaterconsultant.com. She's from Denmark and works in the space of recruiting and training. Now, a few of the same questions. Three leaders, living or dead, on a global level, local level and personal level, that you find extraordinary. All right, so where do you want me to start? Um, let's go with global. To say um, Joe Biden, um, I started reading his latest book, and it's not necessarily from a political perspective. It's from a pure like empathy perspective. Um, what he's gone through personally and how he's been able to come through it and how he's helping others is is really inspiring to me. So on a on a global level, I'd have to say him. Okay, and on a local level. On a local level, I would probably go with, to me, local now is um, probably the United States, and I'd have to go kind of kind of on the same path, and I'd say Ellen DeGeneres. Um, she is really inspiring to me. I think most people know her and her slogan, like, be kind to one another. And I just think, like, that's such a such a great thing that we should all remember, and not just around Christmas or Thanksgiving, but in everyday life, just be kind to one another. If we were all kind to one another, I think the world would be a better place. And it sounds cheesy, but I really think so. I agree. <laughs> it's cheesy, but true. <laughs> and on a personal level? 
On a personal level, it would have, I would have to say my grandmother. Um, my grandmother is um, from the United States. As you um, said, I'm from Denmark. Um, my grandmother moved to um, Denmark when she was 23, um, fell in love with my grandfather, and um, he was German but living in Denmark. So she had to, like, all of a sudden take in all these different cultures, all these different languages, and juggle it all at the same time. And she's just always remained positive and stayed positive, even though, I mean, at times it wasn't always easy for her because Denmark wasn't always a very open country um, to foreigners. So it's been challenging for her at, for her at, at times, but she's just always remained positive and, and happy, and I really admire her for that. And I've taken that with me over here, you know, mm -hmm. um, because it is it just is different coming from another country um, and, and starting out here or in any place. It's all about how you adapt to any situation. Exactly, exactly. And if you just smile and remain positive, it's just gonna, it's just gonna be better. <laughs> <laughs> okay, and innovation. Definition of what it means to you and something that you think is innovative. Something that I think is innovative, um, I saw this this um, commercial on Facebook the other day, or actually it wasn't a commercial, it was something from I think Business Insider or something like that. And it was this amazing machine that once it's fully developed, I'm getting it. It folds your laundry. Oh my goodness, oh, I heard that. Yeah. Yes, I, I mean, heard that it on would the radio. be a lifesaver. I don't know what it's going to cost. It's probably going to be know. expensive, but it's I like get a thousand dollars. It was oh, nine hundred and eighty-five dollars. Really? I heard it announced on the radio. It was at the Internet of Things um, conference, and it was everything that was supposed to be beneficial to people that are. In in homes, mm -hmm. and I went $985, yeah, please, I'll fold my own laundry. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll wait enough. for it. I'll <laughs> wait for it to be like a couple hundred maybe, yeah. and a smaller machine. I saw the machine. It was like really big. I'm like, you need a mansion for that. Mm. But, I mean, I just think, I, I wish I had come up with that idea, to be honest yeah. with you. <laughs> so you're just going to wait for the knockoff to show up and Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I like it. No, it's good. So I wanted to hear what her definition of innovation was. She jumped to that second uh, question, so we're going to go did. back. She really wanted to fold her laundry. I really, yeah. know, I really wanted somebody else that to fold my laundry. That is the definition of innovation, <laughs> yeah. when something else folds your laundry. Yeah. yeah. I think, like, I don't know what I would say. I think it's it's just such a broad word, and, and I think the meaning of it can be so, so broad. I mean, it can be anything from Silicon Valley. I mean, Silicon Valley is just, in my world, like kind of the definition of innovation. Mm -hmm. um, but you find it in, in other places. Like Japan. I'm telling Japan. you, I mm -hmm. watched these videos. <laughs> I had, uh, her name is Xiaoyun Lao. She had lived with me, an exchange student, and we would sit and watch the Japanese videos about anything that was really new and that was coming mm -hmm. out. And I sit here and go, oh, my God, these people are, like, right on top of, yeah. like, the coolest th inventions ever. Some were really ridiculous, but some were so cool looking. They are cool, and it's, like, things you didn't know you needed, you know? Oh, yeah. It's like yeah. <laughs> crazy. And thing. it's, like, coming up with these ideas and then actually making them into something. I think mm -hmm. that's, that's what it's all about. Mm -hmm. So that's pretty cool. So I know that you work with remote employees, so I just wanted to ask, how has that been like for you? Um, it's... It's great. I like it. I've been I've been working with remote. I mean, I used to work for a huge corporation in in Denmark and then over here as well. Um, and we that was a big global company or is a big global company. So I'm kind of used to it. Um, I do it now as well. But since we're a smaller company, you just realize how much you depend on your colleagues and and you realize how much or how big 
and impact the time different place, time mm. difference place. Just like you said, you know, like when I get up, I, my day typically starts at six o'clock in the morning because the earlier I get up, I have six hours to, to Europe. So the earlier I get up, the more I can get out of my colleagues, you know, so that's, that's kind of what it, what, what it takes from you. It takes you, you have to be willing to be flexible and, and adapt to a different schedule. Just like my colleagues over there have to take meetings with me sometimes at nine o'clock at night, you know, even though they have kids, you know, wanting to, you know, I don't know, read a story or yeah, yeah, tuck them into bed. You just have to, you have to have that flexibility. If you don't have that, it's not going to work out. I, I know, and I don't know about you, but I have had some students that are, I have one now, he went from intern, he's actually graduated into, okay, you get to earn the title, you are a 3D artist, and he's completed a lot of work that really demonstrates good quality. Anyway, he's going back to China, that's where he's from, 12-hour time difference. That is going to be brutal. He wants to continue working on the game with us. And we said, okay, we're going to see how that works because 9 o'clock in the evening is 9 o'clock in the morning for him. Yeah. He'll be at work. So it's going to be really kind of, we're, we're going to test it and see how it works. Have you ever worked with anybody where there's like a 12-hour I have. Difference? I worked a lot previously with, with colleagues in China, actually. So you have to, I had meetings at 10 o'clock at night because if I couldn't wait a day for an answer, mm-hmm. <laughs> I would have to do that. I would have to have meetings late at night so that I could get my answer or have my answer in my inbox when I got to work the next morning mm-hmm. because that would be late at night for them. Yeah. So it's again that flexibility and willingness to be flexible also. I think the willingness is the primary. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> flexible is secondary, but willing. Yeah. You know, you could be flexible, but not willing. Years ago, I worked with a company uh, in the Ukraine. Okay. And I was in Central Time Zone. So I was in Alabama at the time. Mm-hmm. And I altered my schedule to oh, you did? be with them. Like, I think I was with them six hours of their day. Mm-hmm. And then I was able to get two hours of my employer's time yep. to go over everything to do the next night with them. It was very crazy, but it had to be done. And it was only for stints. It's only for a certain amount of time. And then I was back to our schedule. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So. yeah. No, that's really, that's where, really where you have to see that we are a big world and we'll say, oh, it seems like we're such a small world because we can work with people. Yeah. The technology allows us to do that, but there's still some boundaries that can't be bent, such as time. You can make it work in all kinds of crazy ways, but time is not one of those parameters you can change. And have you ever been an intern or worked with interns? And what was the experience like, if so? Um, I've never been an intern and I actually really wanted to be an intern, but um, I studied back in Denmark mm-hmm. and I actually only managed to do my bachelor's degree before I had to come over here for work. Or had to before I was offered to come over here for work. <laughs> I had to move yeah. to Orlando. And and my um, my I studied political science, and they don't allow in Denmark that you have that you're an intern during your bachelor's. You can only do that during your master's. Oh wow! Mm. So I actually didn't have a chance. I was a student worker, and I kind of bumped it up to like 30 hours a week student worker. But it was not an internship. You know, I was not part of an intern program or anything as as I would have been. You know, on on the masters. Um, I have worked with interns. I've actually recently worked with one of your interns, mm-hmm. um, Anthony, on developing a a video for us for like um, promotional material, marketing material, and and that was a great experience. That that worked really well. Um, oh, thank you. 
I, I really enjoyed working with him and I enjoyed working with you as well, obviously. Thank you. <laughs> um, but, but that was, that was a great experience. And my first experience over here working with interns, I've worked with interns in Europe, but I haven't worked with interns in, in the U.S. before. So one of the things that um, you and I had had as a discussion is you were um, concerned that, well, I, I don't want to tell him that he didn't do this right because you were afraid you were going to hurt his feelings. And I went, no, you have to actually have this open communication, especially in highly creative um, disciplines like mm -hmm. video production, art, graphic, you know, movies, any of those things. We cannot writing we really should never take that as criticism that's negative. It's actually something that helps us to improve, and that's where the real value comes from. So being able to tell a student, say, hey, this isn't what I was looking for. I want you to be able to change this and this and this. You're not hurting their feelings. You're actually helping them to learn how to listen better and make sure that they are going to deliver the next time they're working with that employer something that is more in alignment with what they're really looking for. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So um, I'm kind of interested, though, what was it like to be in school over there in Denmark versus here? Because we have a student here from UCF. I'm <laughs> kind of thinking you might want to know that. Like, how is that different there? What do they do? Like, was their debt? <laughs> <laughs> well, they don't have any. That's the first uh, thing. Exactly. <laughs> So I think, I mean, obviously, I don't know how it is to go to school over here mm -hmm. because I'm, I want to go to school at some point over here, but I haven't done so. Um, but what I see um, just from an outsider looking in is that um, in, I can talk about Denmark mostly, you know, Denmark is one of the Scandinavian countries. We have a very big state. We have a very big safety net under us. Um, Financially, university is paid for through taxes, mm. so you don't have to pay tuition. Mm -hmm. So that's a big difference that I see. Um, but it also, and, and I see that, I feel like, um, I kind of feel like students work harder over here because they have to. Mm. You have to have a job, you know, unless you have a lot of scholarships or, or you, I mean, even in Denmark, you even get paid for, for going to college. Oh you my know? goodness. So you get like... Your, I'm going your, to college, your college is paid for, and you get like let's say around a thousand dollars a month, you know, for oh, for going to school. So so it's just like it's not a necessity; it's not a struggle, you yeah. know, the same way as I sometimes see it over here. So that would be one of the big differences that I would that I would have to mention. Or I think that's amazing. Like, yeah, it is. Well, I did not know that. <laughs> then on the other hand, you know, you come on out on the other side, and your tax level is really really high. So you know, mm. it kind of depends on you know, I mean, there's the pros and cons. Yeah, it's a trade off. Mm -hmm. I would still love to not have that. <laughs> well, you're paying for it in a different way because True. if it's you're paying through it through tax, and in Florida, we don't have to pay tax within the state. Like we don't have a state tax return when it, that's really what I'm saying. Whereas we only pay a federal tax return. If you go to other states, you'll have federal and state tax returns that you're actually filing. So that's where other states capture that money. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> okay, so you had one more question. I one think. more question. Okay. Now, if you were to go back to your 20-year-old self, mm -hmm. I don't know if it's that long ago. <laughs> <It's> not. <laughs> but if you were going through college, what would you tell yourself at that age? I would tell myself to stop listening to what everyone thinks I should or everyone thinks I should do and do what I want to do. Don't study what other people think you should study. Study what you feel like studying and what you think is the right thing for you. 
Mm-hmm. So be more confident in yourself, trust yourself, trust your intuition, and then have that integrity. Uh, work on your integrity and, and be true to yourself in, in that sense. You really have to know who you are. You have to know who you are, and you have to trust yourself that you know who you are. Yeah. I think that there, I don't know about over there. I did uh, travel to Switzerland, and one of the most mm-hmm. amazing things that I had encountered is that there everybody is paid. Whether you're the mother making sure that you've got your stay-at-home mom, you're paid. People on the street, everybody has a job, and I think it was like 98% employment. There was just such a small amount of unemployed people. Anyway, um, over there, I was really amazed at how um, there was so much opportunity and that people really felt valued, and they knew what it was that they wanted, who they wanted to be and what they wanted to study. I think over here there's this breakdown, and maybe it's an American culture. I'm not really sure. But we focus a lot on appearance, and I understand it's not like that in other countries, what people look like. So there could be something where we are not as clear as Americans what it is that we want to do, and we're trying to figure it out. I don't know if I'm kind of digressing here, but um, there is – there is something that's different, I think, in other countries versus here. And that's part of it is that I think they are more confident and they know what they want to do. Hmm. And question, one more question for okay, you. Okay, okay. <laughs> um, since you were saying not listen, listening to what other people tell you mm-hmm. what to do, um, what would have been your major had you listened to those other people? I did. Oh. I okay. listened to them and I made a huge mistake. I should never have studied what I studied. Political science? Political science. What did you want to study? I wanted to study law. I wanted to study um, business law combined with English. Actually, kind of, kind of what my sister is doing now. My sister is listening to herself and doing what she. I listened to my parents. I my parents had a big, and, and I'm not saying they did anything wrong. I should just have been stronger. You know, I knew it wasn't right for me, and I knew that after the first three months. And I did not. I stayed in there because I was, you know, taught to like hang in there, you know, and, and, and finish what you start. And they wanted me to study that. And I was like, okay, you know, I kind of liked it in high school. So why not? You know, and I hated it. I just hated it. I mean, not that it made me smarter. you not, nothing makes you dumber, sure. <laughs> but, but I should have studied something else. And I would say, go with study what you, what you really want to study. Mm-hmm. Don't listen to your parents, if you want to study communication and your parents say, well, you know, there's everyone studies communication, you should study, you should become a doctor instead because doctors make more money, don't do it. Do what makes you happy and what you feel is right for you. Excellent advice. <laughs> yeah, I would agree with that. Yeah, I absolutely agree with it. The rest you'll figure out as you go. I mean, it's it's not the end of the world that you don't become a doctor and make 300000 a year. You'll figure it out. <laughs> Awesome. Well, thank you for your your, your candid answers there. Uh, well, let's move into here talking about how employers can bring value in their training programs and improve team dynamics. And this is going to be a conversation we're all going to have here. Uh, look, about, look, we're going to look at understanding <laughs> humans, uh, the relationships, innovation, how it all kind of kind Evolves. of go, yeah gets together. So, what is your role at uh, Slater Consulting? Um, so I'm, I'm one of the managing partners and I kind of, I run the, the U S part of the company. Um, I was fortunate enough to be approached by my partners in Denmark who wanted to branch out over here 
and ask me if they if, if I wanted to be their boots on the ground. And I was like, sure, you know. So I kind of handle everything. Um, like like Isabella said, we focus a lot on recruiting and, and team development, leadership mm. development, also some global mobility, um, but but a, a lot on, on those things. So my role is kind of to spread the word, get us out here, you know, get business going over here. That's that's my role in it. And what kind of training programs do you have that are in place for your employees over there? So while we, I mean, we, the training programs are mostly used with and for our clients, um, and we we do a lot of um, team development workshops. Um, we do for schools, sports teams, um, small companies, large corporations, um, a lot, a lot, a lot of that. There's such a need for that. Um, there's on, on all levels. I mean, there's a need for people learning to communicate better with each other. If you can't communicate in a team, I mean, that's really the key. Mm-hmm. <laughs> if you don't communicate and you're unable to communicate with each other, you're not going to get anywhere. <laughs> mm-hmm. So so that's one of the things that we focus on. We use um, a tool called Estimate, which is kind of a behavioral tool or personality assessment tool, whatever you want to call it. Um, and we use that. It works in colors, and that kind of creates that a color color language so so people are able to communicate with each other based on colors um, and that has really really helped a lot of companies a lot of students actually also in, in creating uh, project groups kind of getting an understanding of who am I working with why is this person reacting the way he or she is reacting what what's going on and why do I get offended about this and where do we kind of where do we get along really well and where do we really work together well and where do we have to work on things? <laughs> you know, where is it where that, that things could go wrong between us? Yeah, that's that understanding humans. Because I think most of us, when we're working with anybody in the workplace, we will sit here and go, well, why did they go and say that to me? I really don't understand. They're just being a really a pain. I don't get it. Or there's this uh, mindset, I think, in most people that they're taking it personally Rather than trying to understand what the behavior is that the person is doing, is there something that happened in their day? Did they, is there, are they an extroverted processor? Are they introverted? I tend to be an extroverted processor. And, you know, we think of extroverted personalities. Well, they generally are very chatty, but that's actually how they process inside of their head. And the reason why they're doing that is they're wanting to be able to get from A to Z. And sometimes I tell people, so I will talk like it's a hurricane. So it's really big up at the top, and then it like, ooh, it'll bring it down to the fine point at the bottom. But I get there. And an introverted processor has to be able to think inside of their head. They don't have to have all of the, the language that's being spoken. And one of the things that is also important, introverted personalities, they if we talk really, really fast as an extroverted processor, they are having to just really focus on what it is that we're saying and go, oh, my God, could you just slow down and let me just process what it is that you're saying or take a breath and let me just mm-hmm. think about what you're saying here. And so they, these are parts of being able to understand uh, humans and really being able to see that it's not about us. It is about other people, and it's making sure that we understand how to communicate with one another. It's bridging that gap. I had uh, gone at a particular job that I was on, working with a bunch of engineers, high-level, really smart people. And during my introduction phase when I'm walking around, 
they told me about one particular person. They said, now, number one, never, ever sugarcoat anything. Don't beat around the bush. Be as direct as you possibly can be with this person. Were they playing you? No, okay. not at all. They were serious <laughs> because that was followed up with, and that is how they are going to communicate back with you. Mm-hmm. So don't take offense. That is, they're not, they mean nothing negative. That is just how they are. Feelings aren't involved. That's really good advice, too, because you, it, that, that person puts you on the right path so that you would have an optimum opportunity to be able to communicate so that that person would, A, listen to you. Secondly, they're going to respect you, and they're going to think that you're knowledgeable. So that was really good that somebody It was fantastic because the first time I had an issue with, with something, it wasn't like, hey, like you said before, you know, this is a really good try. He didn't want to hear that. Mm-hmm. It was, that's wrong. This is what I need. Mm, and, he's, yeah. and he was like, done. And then, or it was, no, you think you need that. What you need is, I was like, why? And it, was, it wasn't argumentative, but it was very direct. Mm-hmm. But that's just how that person communicated. Um, and you, know, you get down to anything, it's all communication. Mm-hmm. If you can't yeah. communicate in anything in life, everything is a series of negotiations, and negotiations is just communication, mm-hmm. and no matter what it is. So I think that's awesome that you have programs that do that. You said you work with schools, and you work with businesses. Is there an age range or a... A demographic that you really work with, or is um, this pretty much anything? Well, in general, I mean, what what our company, we work a lot with engineering companies, actually, okay. in the engineering uh, industry. That's that's mainly where we work. It doesn't mean that we don't work with other types of companies, but but that's kind of where we have our expertise, and that's also because we do a lot of recruiting, we do a lot of global mobility. So when companies expand internationally, we help them with their people strategies, um, and that's just, I mean, if you've when you form a company, you have to think, okay, where's my expertise? You know, we all come from big engineering companies. We know how it is to work with engineers. We know what to look for. We know when recruiting, for instance, we know, we typically know who, how they act in a team context, you know. So this is where our expertise is. doesn't mean that we can't work with other companies. It's just, this is just where, where, we're, where we're really good. Now, would you actually work with uh, the engineering division of a particular company? We could. Okay. We could, yeah. A- again, it depends on what they want, but yeah, we could. I mean, we could work with anything from, from HR to the engineering division. You know, it's it, it depends on who needs us <laughs> and you, where the need is. And you say you do international, it, just, it, it blows my mind because engineers have a hard enough time communicating with mm-hmm. non-engineers of their same country. I can't imagine if it's a non-engineer. Like, if we had to deal with somebody uh, here... Um, I grew up, I was born and raised in South America, mm-hmm. and the culture there is much different than it is here. Even in south, you know, of the country mm-hmm. in or in Orlando, which is very, we have a very large Latino population here. Mm-hmm. But even so, we're not quite that South American culture, and even the work dynamics there are completely different. And I have had issues working with an engineering department in Sao Paulo, Brazil. Mm-hmm. It's like you can't get them motivated enough to do something the way no. we define motivation here. And mm-hmm. that's where culture comes in. And you have to understand culture as well, and you have to get that insight into different cultures and also like different work cultures, like. If you look at engineers, for instance, a lot of engineers, there's a lot of engineers from India, a lot of engineers from the U.S., from Europe, from China also, from um, the Middle East. I mean, there's just, and, and they they travel around the world, you know, they don't just stay in, in one place. Um, so you have to look at the communication, but you also have to look at the different, like, cultures. Um, how do South Americans work? I saw that out when I worked over here, you know. We were Europeans, we were Americans, and we were South Americans. The Europeans came in very early. (laughs) 
did their things, you know, they had, and, and then stayed until things were done. South Americans came in late and stayed late. Americans came in, worked a lot of hours, and chatted a lot. In Europe, we're not used to the chatting part, mm. you know, the coffee, chatting, breaks, walking around. We're not used to that. So you just have to, you can't sit down and be annoyed as a European of, of um, Americans having taking breaks, you know, because that's part of their culture. That's how they work, you know. So you have to get that perspective as well. So there's mm-hmm. just a lot of things that play into, like, team and, and, and how teams function. <laughs> that is so true. Because as we are looking at previously, you know, it's a big world, but yet we're small, right? And we have so much diversity. I have had so many people from all parts of the world work with me. And it's being able to make sure that we're communicating. When I talk with students that are working in my company, I'll say, so you've got to be able to learn dynamics of the culture in the company. You've got to be able to learn your job. You've got to be able to learn, secondly, what is the industry? And when I work with multiple industries, which is what you do also, you know, it could be the restaurant, hospitality, and then it might be something that's in tech, and then it's going to be something else that's completely different, alternative healthcare. So I have to be able to understand so many different dynamics, and that's where a student is coming in for three months to try out an internship I said, do you know how much you have to be able to accomplish? And pretty much you have to ramp up in about a week to two weeks because nobody's going to be that patient to give you okay. And then you also have to make sure that when you're working with interns, I'm just going to throw this one in here, is that they have to know this is not a school project. This is real. This is the real yeah. world. <laughs> this is make yeah. it or break it. Something's going to die now <laughs> if you don't deliver on time. So. Um, I've changed a lot of how I uh, relate to them and to help them get up to speed really fast. And that's what I really stress to employers also because employers are thinking, oh, they're part of my team. They should understand the industry. They should understand the uh, people in the firm, the hierarchy, you know, the different ways that we do things inside of the company, the culture itself. And I'm going, you have no clue what Mm -hmm. you're asking them to do. And by the way, they are only a student still. So like give them a little break there. You know, they're not professionals yet. Yeah, I think it's important that they know also, you know, that it is okay to make mistakes. I mean, people Mm -hmm. do make mistakes, you know, that yes, it's a real world, but you're not going to get fired for for making a mistake, you know, because Mm -hmm. it happens. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So the relationship in the workplace too, there's this place of, I said, hierarchy, right? And we need to know that in some companies that they're very flat. And when you're looking at how to create training programs, in a company, and we're looking at working with remote workers, and then we're also looking at how we have to be able to relate across as people, human to human, there's a lot of factors that we have to remember. And I think it's kind of goes back to what you just said about Ellen DeGeneres earlier. (laughs) It's like, let's be kind. You know, let's just remember some just basic human values and remember that everybody had to start learning at some point in time. Having patience is immensely valuable um, that will help to establish a really good relationship in that work environment and especially when you're training somebody I think that if they one of the things we had talked about earlier is like you know how did I react to a student that may have messed up if I come down really hard I don't want them to be um, I want them to have fear of God but in a good way about me 
And I had said to a couple of people that are going to work with me, you're either going to love me and respect me or you're going to hate me, but you're still going to respect me because <laughs> I'm going to tell you, you're going to be here. No, this is not why we do this and this is why, but you're still going to know that I respect you and I care for you as a, as a person. You're a human. I also know that I need to have a relationship, one that offers a, a place of openness where they can come and talk with me. Pretty much, is that what you encounter? Is that how European countries uh, or com companies work? Is it an open environment where people can just come and, and chat with you? Yes. With the boss? Yeah. It's it's very, very open. That's, that's what I would say. I think um, I don't necessarily think the hierarchy is as present, at least on the companies I've worked at in, in Europe, not as present as, as it is in some of the American companies over here. Mm. It's not what I've kind of seen is, you know, the, the manager, you know, if you're a team lead, you have a bigger cube than if you're a manager of the team lead, you have an office. And if you're the big director, you have an office with a view. You know, that's, it's mm -hmm. kind of like it's really like spelled out over here. And I don't feel it's that obvious back back there. It's mm, interesting. I was teaching at a college a number of years ago, and I went to, we had to, you know, ordering time, so we had to spend our budget, and I ordered a high back chair, <laughs> and it was denied me because I didn't have my doctorate. No way. Yeah. yeah. You, no, you have to sit in a, in a, in a I could have a medium <laughs> back chair, but not a high back chair. That's, if you had your doctorate, you could have your high back chair. Oh, that's like, that's messed up. Yeah. And so I went out and I got a stool. No back chair. <laughs> now what you're going to do? <laughs> so I sat on I still have stools. I love stools now. Yeah. Well, I just was kind of curious, Jerron, have mm -hmm. you had any of these experiences? I mean, you've had other jobs in, in the workplace. What has it been like for you? I'm just kind of curious. Um, I want to say that most of the places that I've worked with or at least been involved with, we've always been on an equal playing field. So usually we've always had those open environments, so it's never been like, Hey, I'm afraid to talk to the teacher, or hey, I'm afraid to talk to this person. It's usually they want you, they want to be approached, so they always say that when they meet you, essentially. So you said teachers, so that to me is just saying that it's primarily in the classroom. I'm talking about work environment, that, like a boss. Sure. Um, I mean, from the past work experiences I've had, they've always still had the same kind of vibe. But it's always also that in the past, my teachers eventually did become my boss because wow. somehow I ended up getting a job with them. So it kind of like that Evolved. evolution. Yeah. yeah. So usually I've always kept that same teacher mentality with them because that's kind of all I've known. But as I'm going into these more work environments such as this one, I kind of just understand I need to understand the culture when I get there. And then as I understand it, try to evolve with it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Okay. That's pretty interesting. And then the last point was just really innovation. But I know we're running out of time, and I don't think we gave a shout-out to any of our, our sponsors here. So I just wanted to make sure I said special thanks to BMDM, Digital Marketing. Um, you can find them at bmdm.com. Um, Valencia, I love Valencia College. Thank you for letting us be in the studio. This is awesome. And also a special shout-out to John Q. You know, he's the uh, guy that runs this whole program. So he does a great job here. And then lastly with um, Canvas, Canvas Starter Studio and also um, Firespring Fun. They are part of the entrepreneur community and they offer special programs and workshops and mentors, all types of training to help startups and the entrepreneurial uh, community grow. So I want to make sure I give a special shout out there. Awesome. <laughs> Excuse me. Do you have any shout outs for yourself, Bjork? 
where can people find you? What's your website? Our website is www.slaterconsult.com. Mm-hmm. And you can find all our contact information on there or go to our Facebook, which is Slater Consult. Um, and you'll be able to find us there. You'll see um, job openings and you'll see blogs, trends. I am going to do a special little shout out too because we are going to be doing some uh, training, some we certifications. Mm-hmm. So they're coming up in February. And if you're interested in being certified in the estimate tool, you can actually contact Bjork or myself. Absolutely. And we'll be able to uh, give you more information on how that can happen. Absolutely. Yeah. So um, I did want to make sure that people knew about our game and also about the Interim Pursuit uh, product. But Interim Pursuit, because Sophie was on the game team, um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try and hopefully people can see my <laughs> little poster. It's really tiny. I had a really big one, but here, cameras. <laughs> we'll just have to get some of the artwork for next week, and we'll just we'll bring it up during the yeah. time. Yeah, yeah. It's a really cool poster. It though. is. I really yeah. dig it. Yeah. But um, we didn't talk about games, but it's a single-player tower defense game where you can play old-school style, uh, like Mars Attacks, or it's like that type of a vibe going on. And it has uh, Men in Black. It's everything that I love about anything from that 50s time, but it's about two students in the game, a male and a female, and they're actually based on people that were interning with me. So Breezy is somebody that's going to be coming on the show. Her name is Brittany, and then um, the other character in there, uh, the male, is somebody that his name is Tug, but um, he is somebody that worked with me, and he is actually a 3D uh, animator, but he went and he is a prison uh, guard. So he went in a totally different oh, wow. direction. Yeah. Yeah. That would be interesting to hear why. Yeah. I don't know yeah. anything about him. I'm going to have to see Delvin. I'm going to have to see if Delvin would be a guest on the show. But he works like crazy, that 12-hour time difference. So it's, mm, it's hard. Yeah. He's in another place. Anyway, um, the characters come into their internship. Um, they go through a portal. They go and fall into this place where they become superheroes, and they fight aliens throughout two levels. We have Mars and we have Neptune in there. I really want people to play our game and give us feedback. So please go to internpursuit.com. Look for the tab that says IP game. Download. I'm sorry. It is not Mac friendly. It <laughs> is just for PCs. So um, we want feedback. We want to be able to see how um, we can improve it and make sure it's going to be a game that people will enjoy. But there's also some little robots. You can think CP3PO and just fun little things like that and try it out. Awesome. Don't forget to check out our social pipes. Just look for Pivot Business Consulting on anywhere that you get your social media. We are there. we got a presence there. And please check out the MixLR um, app at Valencia College Radio. And, of course, you can watch us live over on Facebook.com on our Pivot Consulting uh, web page. There are page at Facebook, I guess. Mm-hmm. Thank you so much for coming out and Thanks joining us tonight. It's so much fun having you here. Thank you. Thank you. Really cool insights with that, and I appreciate your time. In this, you. in this cool weather we're having tonight. <laughs> yeah, it's getting cold, and I also want to say thank you, Andy, and thank you, Jerron, for making this all so it's simple for me to just walk in. Well, that's what that's we're, what here, we're here, here for. This has been Jerron. This has been Andy. And this is Isabella. And this is Jack. And we want to thank you all for tuning in tonight. <laughs>